Welcome to the main event of TGIF here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. It's time for the franchise players, J.P. Mundy, Ryan Stone. Time to give credit where credit is due, Ryan. For weeks, and I mean weeks, we'll never be accused of not giving Drake May his props. We have sort of poked fun at the UNC defense every week, but always given Drake May a lot of credit for the trajectory of the UNC Tar Heels football program. But here we are in November, and the Tar Heels are one win away from the Coastal Division Championship and a a spot in the title game in Charlotte. However, in order to get to that point, the Heels have to beat Wake Forest in Winston-Salem. They're finally back home after two kind of soul-sucking road trips. Yeah. Um, that's to put it lightly. Yeah. Let, let's go to point number one. If you look at the breakout standings where it gives you the points for and, and points against, the Heels have given up more points than anyone in the ACC, not just the Coastal Division, anyone in the conference. Overall, they've given up the most. But in conference play, they have given up the third fewest. What is the difference? Is it just growth? Uh, I think I think I think the the thing that has helped them the most is one growth. I think you're right there. I think two is, and I, I honestly, it's going to sound bad, but the schedule has helped because sometimes, sometimes you need to build confidence, and as as you know as you as you play, and you you know you start out with kind of a lighter schedule and you blow some teams out and take care of business. You start to build some confidence, especially when you're a young team. So I think the schedule has really helped them out in the way that it's kind of laid out. Uh, I mean, they had the one bad game against Notre Dame. I, I think they learned from that, bounced back strongly. But I think for the most part, the fact that they have played a lesser schedule, I'm not knocking them for it. That's they, they played what was dealt to them. Uh, I'm saying it, I think it helped them build some confidence, and that's what's allowed them to win some of these close games. Yeah, let's take a look at that schedule. You know, they opened up in week zero with Florida and A&M. They let the Rattlers score 24. Um, The outlier statistically is the game up on the rock. Uh, They allowed 61 points and a good win at Appalachian State, or at least it was a good win then. Um, They allowed 28 points to Georgia State. Then the aforementioned loss to Notre Dame, um, giving up 45 points then. All right, so then you start your conference slate. Virginia Tech, who is terrible. Yep. And they allow 10 points. Miami, who is terrible. (laughs) Especially offensively. Okay. So, yeah, but they still give up 24 points. They give up 35 points in a close one at Duke and 24 points in a close one at Pittsburgh. That, of the, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think they've, done anything impressive yet i mean they've won games on the road they won that game at virginia but virginia has no offense either and they won that game by three and again i'm not blaming (laughs) no it's not drake may's fault not drake may's fault they're undefeated on the cusp of hanging a banner but they these guys they're i believe that their defense may have grown but i don't i think them being undefeated in the ACC might be a false positive. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that it can ever be a false positive. I will say this game tomorrow night is going to kind of tell the story of their season because it gets a lot tougher from here. Like you've got Wake tomorrow night on the road. You've got NC State the la- that Friday after Thanksgiving. And then, you know, if you win – if you win it, win a game, I think basically, I believe that's right. Then you get Clemson in the ACC championship, provided that Clemson bounces back and takes care of all their business. Um, so I think I think we we're going to find out a lot here over the next three weeks or so. The next point I wanted to make though is about Wake Forest. Now Wake Forest has been dreadful on offense the last two weeks. Their offensive line has kind of been overwhelmed, or it looks that way to the naked eye. And Sam Hartman doesn't look like well, – it doesn't look like Sam Hartman. And I, I keep thinking about all the things that have happened. You know, I, I, the Louisville game is 
inexplicable to me, just a disastrous third quarter. And then playing against uh, the North Carolina State team that doesn't have Devin Leary, um, you know, it's messing with your income. Uh, as a, <laughs> it's uh, they've hurt me the last few weeks. I, yeah. I'm doing. I'm I'm off in, I'm off Wake for a while. <laughs> Wake Forest has not lost anybody talent wise. Yeah, I, on the on at least on offense. Now they have lost Rondell Bothroyd on uh, on defense, and that's a big loss to a defense that was that was already had its challenges. Let's put it that way. But turning the ball over as much as it did against Louisville and still turning the ball over against North Carolina State. And we can talk about the officiating in Raleigh all we want. It wasn't good. It wasn't a good crew. They didn't have a good night. Um, but that game's come and gone, and that's an L for the Deeks. And what was shaping up to be a dream season for Wake Forest has turned kind of into a nightmare. This is a must-win game because if you beat Carolina – at home, in prime time, on the ACC network, uh, people forget about the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's one hundred percent right because you you put yourself, you probably put yourself back in the top twenty five with a win, uh, which would put you in line for a pretty good a pretty good bowl game. Um, and I mean, you're not going to make the ACC championship. We know that, so you put yourself in a spot where you can finish the season nine and three still have a chance to win 10 games, which is a great year any year at Wake Forest uh, if you you know can win out, essentially. Yeah, and that's what's worrying me a little bit for the Deeks because I'd like to see that 9-3 and three happen. But Wake, as soon as they get done with Carolina, they finish with Syracuse at home next Saturday. And Syracuse then, has been reeling. We'll see what they look like tomorrow. And at Duke. At Duke. Duke to finish the season. Yeah. Thank goodness the students won't be there. But <laughs> but Duke's already bowl eligible. So they've got nothing to lose and can pull out yeah. all the stops to try and whoop up on coach Mike Elko's, you know, former employer. I mean, this is a this is a this is not the way that they necessarily wanted to close out the season. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I would agree. So I, I it's going to be interesting. So that's our key game to watch tomorrow. Uh, obviously, Wake Forest, UNC. If if UNC loses, they're still on track for the title game, but they can't lose any more games. I don't think. And um, I, you know, that's that's where the I'm glad the divisions are going away. Yes, a hundred percent, no doubt. Because I think it would it, it would give some other teams a chance. Can we just talk about this for a second too? This is the last year of divisions, and the reason the divisions were started in the first place never ever came to fruition. Florida versus Miami, Florida State versus Miami. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never get never happened. It never happened, and as a matter of fact, I don't know that Miami ever played in a championship game. How wild is that? I, I, I mean, it's kind of looking back at it now, like when they were joining the conference and everybody was so excited, it's pretty crazy to say. But Miami has been so irrelevant now for so long. Miami is only relevant at this point because we want them to be relevant in the ACC. <laughs> That's their relevance at this point. It's like, is this the year Miami turns it around every year? It's kind of like Texas in the Big 12, but I, you know, Texas is actually having a pretty solid season. They have a chance to make it a great season tomorrow night. The, you know, and it's interesting because the primetime game the other night was Florida State-Miami, and they absolutely should not have had that as a primetime game on national television, but it's not just the ACC. It's the television talking heads and the television executives who need for that rivalry to be good again – but I mean, that's it's awful. It's an awful rivalry right now. Your Florida State Seminoles are actually getting better. I don't know what Miami's doing. I don't either at this point. It's hard to. It's <laughs> I. It, it you know the year started so promising and there was a lot of uh, hope going into the season, but it just has not. It just has not panned out that way. It's what I tell them. what I tell Desmond Johnson all the time. Hope, hope is a dangerous thing, Andy. 
Just like yeah, it is. Tank, hope is dangerous, and we see what's happening down in Coral Gables. I want to talk about switch gears a little bit, and we can the ACC basketball slate has opened up. Um, college hoops began this week. UNC, the number one team in the country, consensus with a tough game against UNCW to open things yep. up. Um, and they knew it was going to be tough, so don't don't anybody get you know start with the doom and gloom. Um, that's a, first of all, Dean Smith would never play in state schools that weren't in the ACC for fear of taking a loss. And this day and age, that wouldn't work. Um, and kudos to Roy Williams for for kind of restarting that and playing some of these teams. Uh, so they look good. North Carolina State has come out looking good. Wake Forest opened its season with a, a win over Fairfield. That's a tough matchup. You don't want one of those uh, those MAAC schools to come down and, and, and beat you. Uh, and they were in it for a while. But there's another ACC school who hasn't fared as well. It's the number one college basketball market in the country. Where is it? Where is it, Ryan? It is Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Yep. Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, the hotbed of college hoops. You've got the cards, you've got the cats, and you've got all kinds of scandal that you don't apparently get in trouble for. The Louisville Cardinals, in case you missed it, finally had a notice of infractions and penalties and whatever come down last week. And I think they were fined $5,000 as a university and a couple of fired assistant coaches were given multiple year show cause penalties. There was absolutely no fault found with former head coach Rick Pitino, who is now free to finally move on from Iona after he's done with this season. <laughs> you gotta, it's the if they, and he's still there. If they, you know, if he wasn't going to get in trouble for anything, you got to cut, they got to kind of be wondering now if it was worth firing him. Oh, no, after, and, and uh, especially after, now. And especially after losing to Bellarmine. <laughs> so, like, I – yeah, I mean – New things were going to go bad. They did a good job PR-wise. They brought in what the guy that everybody wanted them to bring in. They bring in Kenny Payne to coach the Cardinals. Fine. But he loses his exhibition game to Lenore Ryan at home, and you have to – well, maybe somebody was sick. Maybe they just weren't ready. Maybe he was just working with substitutions, and maybe he was. That's fine. That's an L. The boys just outside of Hickory went up and gave the cards an L. And then on Wednesday night, Bellarmine, the school across town that is just starting its journey, its foray, if you will, into Division One athletics, and a very, very good basketball program, handed them another L. They could not have started their season any worse, and I love it. I love it. If you're, Karma is a real thing. At least I, I believe so, especially in sports, except for the University of Kansas basketball program, who will never get in trouble for anything. Bill well, I think. Bill I mean, Stop. I think if you're, if you're, if you're a blue blood, you're not getting in trouble. Oh, don't say that too loud because Louisville folks will get mad at that. We've they're talked about blood. this. They think they're a blue bloods, a red bloods. Blood. They got a great dance team. They got a nice athletic facility. It's, they a, do. it's a nice school. It's a great city. You know, and I've eaten at a Hooters across the river in Jeffersonville, Indiana before while traveling. That's pretty good Hooters. <laughs> but, I mean, you know what you've also got? You got a $5,000 fine, a slap on the wrist from the NCAA, and you got losses to Lenore Ryan and Bellarmine. One of them, one of those losses actually counts. So, yeah, congratulations to Louisville. Now the question remains, can they rehire Rick Pitino? Because Rick Pitino's just been waiting to see if he got a show cause or not. And, you know, he's done real well at Iona. They're lucky to have him. He seems relatively happy. But now he is free. He is. I will, free. I, I will say this. I mean, there, there can't be much pressure on him at Iona, and you know, at his age, maybe that's maybe that's good enough. I guess we'll see. 
you know, and what's what's interesting to me, and this is what says it all about Louisville and its basketball programs and its basketball aspirations to me, is when they announced that the sanctions were coming down for the scandal, my question was, which one is this? Was this the school hostesses slash strippers in the dormitory thing? Is this the recruiting thing or is this the Adidas thing? turns out it's the Adidas thing. Yeah. Which has been botched from the start. Meanwhile, Bill Self didn't get so much as his lunch money taken for a day. He's, I mean, he, he is, he's John Gotti. He can do whatever he wants. I'm telling you, if you were at a power, if you were at a blue blood program, you're not going to get in trouble. Speaking of, you you mentioned some of those ACC teams. You know who I was pretty impressed with in their opener? Who's that? It's early. I thought Duke to play to ha- not have their top two freshmen in Whitehead and Lively and play a Jacksonville team that's pretty good. Like they're picked second in their conference this year and brought most of their experience back from last season. They handled them. I thought you know Jeremy Roach played really well. Mark uh, Mark Mitchell, the the third best freshman at least by the rankings, looked really good. Uh, they moved the ball. I thought I, I, they surprised me. I, I thought they would struggle in that game when I heard that Whitehead and Lively were out, and I thought it was going to be a little bit of a tough opener anyway because, like I said, Jacksonville was pretty well thought of coming into the season, and, and Duke being such a young team, but. In John Shire's opener, and there was a lot of pressure for John Shire's opener. Absolutely. The first, these kids are playing in the first game at home without Coach K. Uh, I thought I thought Duke played pretty well. Yeah, to not have those two guys and to be facing a school that does have a significant amount of mid-major basketball, you know, history. You know, they've got tradition. The Dolphins are a good basketball team. More you know, more years than not. Um, so that was an ambitious start. Um, they could have gotten for Scythe Tech or somebody to come over there and get Coach Shire an easy win, but I, I, he's never struck me as that being his style. So, well, we'll we're going to be watching those guys closely. I mean, I think or I think it's well established that UNC is not going to need much wash. It's going to be a, it, it would be really hard for me to see that this UNC team fall apart. Yeah, um, it's so Duke is going to be the one to watch. And of course the, the kids in Raleigh, Kevin Keats, squad, um, those guys will watch, but I think Wake Forest is going to be better than first thought. Uh, but it's early, you know, we're talking about week one. So get to us after Thanksgiving and we'll start forming some idea of how the ACC is going to shake out coming up. I want to know, we all want to know what this week's Stone Cold Locks are. We want to hear how dreadful it was last week. And plus, we're going to have a few thoughts on the Indianapolis Colts when we come back on the Franchise Players, powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Back to franchise players, J.P. Mundy, Ryan Stone. Have you recovered from last weekend? Last weekend was not kind to you, sir. In college, I had a good NFL weekend. Oh, what did you do in the NFL? NFL, I was uh, 4-2-1. and one so, so coming off a 7-0 and NFL week, you go 4-2-1. and one. That's not bad. You were killing it, my friend. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh... We'll see if that continues this week. You can't ever get uh, too cocky in doing this because uh, you'll get humbled really quick, as I did in college football on Saturday. TCU was your only winner, wasn't it? No, they lost uh, because I had the team total. Oh, you had the team total. Oh, and they they had they had two chances there to score and go over it and didn't. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, so it was it was uh, that one was tough. Um, I'm trying to remember what the winners were. I had two winners. I think I was two and five or two and four. Um, I had two winners, but Alabama, off the top Alabama of my head, Alabama wasn't it? No, it wasn't Alabama. That's for sure. Um, oh no, you got the Georgia game. 
No, because I, I had Tennessee. Um, I'd have to go back and look. It, it was depressing. What, at what point did you tweet, I hate everybody? <laughs> that was later on at night. Uh, I was... I was a few, uh, yeah, yeah, a few beverages in, and uh, decided to let my thoughts be known. Yeah, I, I'm just scrolling through the, the the score updates and everything like that, and then here comes one from Ryan Stone. I hate everything. Oh, I had, I had, I had Texas, and I had Michigan. Both those hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, at least you had some some light. What do you have this weekend? This is such a pivotal weekend in college, not so much in pros, but for the college scene, I'm anxious to hear what these are. Man, by the way, they did the same exact thing. You know, early in the season, we talked about this last week, early in the season, it seemed like there were no good games at night. But right. now last week and this week, all of the good games are at night. <laughs> I told, Like, can they balance it out a little bit? Can we get some balance? That's what I want. Yeah, uh, balancing out would be nice, but I'm grateful I've got a 3.30 game tomorrow. That's yeah, me too. I have the same the same thing. Um, so for for this week, I <laughs> I'm gonna go. I, I'm first of all, I'm gonna jump on Alabama. Um, yeah, I know they let me down last week. Nick's angry. He's taking on Lane Kiffin. I, Ole Miss is a good running team. They are not a great passing team. Uh, I I think Alabama will will clog up and stop the run. So I'm going to jump on Alabama minus 11 and a half. I think they will win that game by at least two touchdowns. Um, elsewhere, uh, I am going to go. This one I can't figure out. Okay. It almost, I was talking to somebody earlier in the week who asked me about it because they know how much I've been on TCU this year. And they said, TCU plus seven and a half? Question mark, question mark, question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point. What did you say? Plus seven and a half? Plus seven and a half. I know it's I get Texas is at home. And to me, that would warrant two to three points. But seven and a half? I I gotta take TCU. Like something about that's off, and maybe Vegas knows something that I don't know. That's entirely possible. But that is too big of a number for me to not take <laughs> with this with this TCU team the way they've scored this that, year. So I, I I will take TCU plus seven and a half uh, in uh in that spot. Um, I think also uh, just kind of looking at the uh, just kind of looking at the slate right now. I another one that's weird to me is LSU minus four, three and a half, four, depending on where you're looking against Arkansas. That's like Arkansas. Really strange. Arkansas got, uh, for the most part, I mean, I know they made that Liberty game interesting late, uh, and it's a rivalry game. I understand, but that's a odd line to me. Um, I and it's at Arkansas, so for that reason, I think I'm going to stay away because that one's that's a little too odd to me. Yeah, um, that means somebody might be in. Not it might not be public, but somebody might have gotten injured in that LSU game. Yeah, no, I, that's 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 kind of what what I'm leaning towards. Um, I think a, a, another another interesting uh, game, at least in terms when you look at the number. Uh, I would I would say Penn State minus ten and a half at home against Maryland. I, I know as much as Penn State ticked me off when they played when they played Michigan, uh, they played really well against Ohio State for the most part. They controlled the bulk of that game. And they've been pretty strong ever since. I think I think it's pretty safe to say Penn State is the third best team in the Big Ten. Um, so I would I would take them at home minus ten and a half against against Maryland. Maryland's got a pretty good offense, but they're a real hit or miss uh, in terms of uh, in terms of defense. So uh, those are probably the three that I would take on the college side of things right now. Though there will be more come Saturday uh, in the NFL. I'm jumping on this this nine thirty game. Uh, in Berlin, Seahawks plus three. There, I, I, as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, there is no way in hell they should be favored by three points against this Seahawks team. I, I don't care. I could end up being wrong, and I'll be happy to be wrong as a fan because it will have mean something finally went right with this damn team. But Seahawks plus three. It was way too good to pass up to me. Geno's been the better quarterback than Tom Brady. Who the hell would have thought I would have said that? 
before the start of the season. Wow. <laughs> they have a they have a better team. Okay? They have a better team than the Buccaneers right now. The Bucs have more talent, but Seattle's playing a lot better. So give me Seahawks plus three. Uh, and then I'll also take the Dolphins minus three and a half against the Browns. Uh, Miami coming back home. Uh, Cleveland having to go on the road. Uh, it's a, uh, The Browns have been real up and down and uneven uh, with Jacoby Brissett at, uh, at quarterback. Miami has been pretty consistent, and they have consistently put up points, uh, which I think has kind of been a struggle for uh, for Cleveland at uh, at times this season. So I will take uh, the Dolphins in that spot, minus three and a half. Also, uh, give me the Giants minus four and a half against the Texans. Uh, the oh, Giants yeah. are one of the more are one of the more consistent teams in the league this uh, this season. So uh, and they're going to play. They they show up and play for Brian Dayball. Say what you will about Daniel Jones, you can make the case they can get a more talented quarterback, but. He is Brian Dayball is milking that team for everything it's got talent wise. So I will I will usually back a team like that. I, I'm looking at this NFL slate of games, and I don't know I don't know how long this is sustainable. We've talked about this. This is just my thing. That there's some of these games. Lions Bears is two and six versus three and six. Yep. Um. Colts and Raiders. Colts and Raiders. Uh, uh, look, Saints Steelers, three and six versus two and six. Colts and Raiders, three and five versus two and six. Cardinals, Rams. What did the Rams the Rams win the Super Bowl last year? They did. Three and five versus the three and six Cardinals. Yeah. I, I mean Pan- uh, Panthers and Falcons was the Thursday night game. I I um I <laughs> I, I can't, but as as ludicrous as that, you know what you know what else is you know what's crazy about the NFL slate on Sunday, and we never say this about the foreign games. What's that? But that's probably the best game of the day. Which game? Seahawks and Buccaneers is probably the best matchup of the day. That's depressing. I mean, I, I think that'll actually be a good game, so I don't think it's that depressing. But the Look, fact that it's at 9.30 in the morning, yes. <laughs> Riley's Riley's 4 o'clock NFL flag football matchup is more enticing than that 9.30 matchup. I disague with that. Right, there's, mo- no, a lot, there's a lot more at stake. There's a, there's a no, no, offense, no offense to Riley. I, disagree. I, I mean, there's a playoff spot at stake, though. That's what I'm saying. Also, we don't, we don't know uh, Bills and Vikings. That could be a good game. If Josh Allen is if playing, Josh we don't Allen's know yet. Playing. Yeah, that, is that could be a, that could be a great game if Josh Allen is playing. But if we need to take a sh- our show to ludicrous speed, all we need to do is look to the Ursay family. <laughs> because in <laughs> other NFL news, since we are not going to talk about junior varsity teams like the one in Charlotte this week, the Colts fired Frank Reich. He has a better record than the Panthers. So, but, you know, the patience by the Ursay family is, is not, you know, isn't there. And that was mildly surprising, but not as surprising as announcing the interim head coach. Ladies and gentlemen, the Colts' new coach <laughs> yeah. is former center and I think a member of the Ring of Honor. Yep, in Indy, pretty sure. Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday, former UNC Tar Heel. Uh, he was Peyton Manning's center. Um, yep. at, at, in Indy, he's a well, re, highly regarded pro, uh, highly regarded person, uh, has spent most of his Saturdays on the UNC Tar Heel football broadcast team. He's good at that. And his coaching experience is some team, high school, private school in, in Georgia. And they didn't, and they didn't do well. They did not win. No, they didn't. <laughs> I coach a, wi- a winner, and I, I don't think that he had to. Not a lot of pressure, you know. Coaching you, Val Dawson, Christian, or whoever it was. By the way, you left out maybe the most uh, intriguing part of that is that the Colts actually have two former head coaches in their organization. Well, that I'll they say, overpassed. You're right. <laughs> and, and I'm also, you know, it, it's kind of like I say, I'm of the opinion that professional sports team owners can spend their money how they like. Fine, they got the money, I don't. But they've got coaches on that indie staff, especially black coaches, who had to be looking at the Twitter feed when that comes through like, what? Yeah. I've been coaching nonstop 19 hours a day for the past whatever years, 
and he's calling Jeff Saturday. So that that begs me two questions. Number one. <laughs> I love that he said that he was glad he didn't have any experience. He basically threw his entire staff that he has under the bus when he said that. I, I got a couple of questions. <laughs> Not, number one, how bad is the Indianapolis locker room right now? It can't be good. Because your splash trade in the offseason or your your splash acquisition in the offseason was for Matt Ryan. Well, I have a, I have a theory here. Maybe Uh-oh. Frank Reich wanted to be fired. Because I can't understand why they went to Sam Ellinger. <laughs> like, I know Matt Ryan hadn't been great. But have you watched him with Sam Ellinger? <laughs> I mean, I, I just... he Matt, Sam Ellinger might will be eventually an NFL starter. He is not right now. Sam Ellinger might be an NFL H-back. He might be what Tim Tebow should have become at some point. That's what he he reminds me of. I can't can't for the life of me figure out what's going on there. And I've I've been listening to, and if you get a chance, go find uh, some of Greg Doyle's stuff on the Indy Star, Indianapolis Star, the newspaper there. Greg Doyle used to be an excellent writer for the Charlotte Observer. Um, he's since worked at CBS and uh, at Indy. And one of the reasons he's no longer in Charlotte is because he is not scared to ask questions. And he was, you know, the owners here never really liked him much, even though they appreciated his bluntness and his honesty. But that bizarre press conference that followed, now Ursay won't shut up. And he sounds like he sounds like he's a couple of you know pepperoni slices away from a full pizza. It, it's not good. It's I, not good. yeah. I I and they can. I don't. I, I don't know how like other than coaches wanting to remain professional in a difficult situation for him to say. I'm glad he doesn't have any experience. Coaches today go to the analytics and overthink things because of the pressure that's on them. He doesn't have that pressure on him. Well, actually, he does now because he if he sure wants does. to keep if he wants to keep the job, he's got to do good. Um, and then for the existing coaches that are there to hear that and not want to walk out the door, like that's that's hard. That's got to be tough on them. I, I I just I, I I can't figure out for the life of me what they're thinking, and it, it's just be, between that news and the news coming out Thursday that the District of Columbia Attorney General is filing suit against the Washington Commanders, Daniel Snyder, Roger Goodell, and the entire NFL for misleading the citizens of D.C. about what's going on within the organization, I guess under the assumption that those are the taxpayers that um, that actually attend games and I guess help fund the stadium and all the blah, 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 blah. Daniel Snyder is such a cretin that he went and got the NFL sued. It's, that's, yeah. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, that's, it, it's, it's not, a perfect end to his tenure in Washington. <laughs> And they asked during the, the during the press conference Thursday, they asked him to say, "All right, so what does this have to do with the lawsuit uh, uh, that pertains to uh, the workplace behavior and that kind of thing?" And it's like this is completely separate. And then they said, "Asked if Snyder sells the team, will you drop this lawsuit?" No, he was the owner when these transgressions these transgressions, pardon me, occurred. So we will not be dropping it. He's having a bad week. He's about to go get on his yacht again. Remember when he got on his yacht a couple months ago and went away so he couldn't get served with a subpoena to go to the NFL? Yeah. He might not come back this time. It reminds me of that scene in Wolf of Wall Street where uh, the ant dies while they're vacationing in Italy on the yacht. And they have to go through like stormy seas trying to make it to wherever they're going to. And it just they end up crashing. That's what that's what this reminds me of. This is a complete disaster waiting to happen. Like it, it's a disaster that has occurred, but is fixing to get worse. To say it southern yeah. style, it's fixing to get worse. But we're fixing to get better because next up, we're going to take a look at local high school football playoff pairings. 
And then we'll name this week's franchise players non-starting five. You're listening to Franchise Players on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Back to franchise players, JP Mundy, along with my tag team partner, Ryan Stone. Ryan, the hurricane has messed up everything. First of all, it messed with college football when What's-Her-Name came around, right? Yep. Uh, in, in September. But for some reason, we just had to have a hurricane pop up in November, like almost mid-November. And, and it's playoff time. Usually, weather affects the basketball postseason. It always snows when it's not supposed to, or ices. We can count on an ice storm every year. But football playoffs, never. Never a hurricane. But now, as we sit here recording this show, the, the, the hurricane has made landfall, and it's going to be traveling up, the I guess, the East Coast, and it's going to dump a bunch of rain on us. So let's take a look at this. As we're recording this, number one, Grimsley, is still set to play number 17, Charlotte Catholic, as scheduled. But depending on field conditions, they could move to Saturday. You know why, Ryan? Do you know why they haven't announced that they have, they're not moving this game? It's because of a dumb rule that says that to move it yep. any time after Friday, you yep. have to actually make it to the dance on Friday and say, hey, the weather sucks. And then you're, it's legal to schedule it for Saturday or Monday. That makes no sense. Makes no sense. Same can be said for East Forsyth, who actually offered to play Thursday night, but Mount Tabor declined it. Mount Tabor played in their defense, did play at altitude last Friday night, and it was a slugfest in their victory against Asheville. But apparently they might have a couple of guys dinged up, and they're trying to get enough guys healthy to play one of the stronger teams, if not the strongest team in the state. However, I, I just, this is supposed to be about the kids. And once again, it's not. The county ADs, in my opinion, and the NCHSAA at some point should have stepped in and made the call. Everybody plays on Thursday. Everybody plays on Saturday. Because mm-hmm. even the Charlotte from from Charlotte all the way to the East Coast, the Fayetteville weather forecaster, when they put up their precipitation maps for Friday night, it was just a giant glob of red and orange. The whole state. This is not a surprise. Surprise. We weren't waiting for anything. Yeah. I, I, why would you do that? I mean, can you get? I mean, can you knock me off my soapbox here and say? JP, what is the you know? This is actually a good reason. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's a good reason. Um, I, I understand. I think I, I will say. I don't think you can make everybody play on either Thursday or Saturday. I think you have to give flexibility there because you don't know what some of these schools have going on. Maybe on Saturdays or Thursdays. I understand. Um, but I but. You should not have to wait until the day of to move it to Saturday if that's what you want to do. Because this this is the playoffs. It'd be different, I think, if it was the regular season. But this is the playoffs, and a lot of these teams are not going to want to play on a short week. <laughs> like that, it makes it makes perfect sense. Um, Especially your lower seeds. Yeah, because I, you know, less less preparation time is is you know, generally going to benefit the underdog because it's not like, I mean, that, that day that you're playing on Friday, they're going to be traveling anyway. So it's not like, it's not like they get the same, they they get the same amount of prep time exactly anyway. Um, So I think, I think, you know, that there there needs to be the flexibility of if you want to move it to Saturday, you can uh, without waiting because this isn't fair to, the parents either. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, 
because these parents have, might have other kids that have things going on on Saturday, younger kids that have youth sports and other stuff going on on Saturday, and it could interfere with that. So I, you know, I think I, I think mean, I, I get it. I I understand also. You know, what people tell tell you that in the playoffs, the schools share the gate, no matter who the home team is. So yeah. you're, they're also trying to get a, a decent date where they could get a decent house. And I understand that from a funding perspective. I certainly understand that. Without money for the athletic programs, there are no athletic programs. So I get that point. But I just feel like – and I'll talk about it a little later. But it's supposed to be about the kids. And, you know, judging from the activities this week, once again, it's not. Some of the games we're looking at other than – Grimsley and Charlotte Catholic, and let's talk. We'll briefly mention Grimsley and Charlotte Catholic. Charlotte Catholic's the game that always makes you say "ooh" whenever I bring them up. Yeah, they're always good. They've got a running game that is outstanding. They dispatched Reagan, a very good Reagan team. They have, that, a, they, have a, they have a they have a quarterback that is going to uh, West Virginia and a tight end that's going to Notre Dame. Oh my gosh! So yeah, they, they've got talent, and I think they've rushed for, I think they've rushed for over twenty one hundred yards a team or something like that. So those guys are facing up against Grimsley's defensive line, which is absolutely spectacular. Um, and they've got, you know, they've got some versatility too in their defensive backfield. Uh, in the wild playoff game last Friday night against Davy, Grimsley turned to Alex Taylor and Terrell Anderson playing defensive back, and all they got in return was two picks, one each. Uh, I don't know if you saw the game of inches highlight, but uh, Alex Taylor went up and made a one-handed uh, interception, falling back. Uh, it might be the play of the year in North Carolina high school football. And then on the uh, series that ended with Anderson's pick, he made the previous three tackles. Then he made the pick. And, oh, by the way, he also returned a kickoff 98 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, he's pretty good. They're all right. Okay? So it's going to be a great, great game. So uh, if you're going to go out, they're scheduled to play tonight. Go out there and do it. Of course, if you have to row to get to the game, they will play at 6 o'clock Saturday. I think the East Forsyth is looking at Monday to play, but we don't know yet. You know why? Because nobody's stepped in, but I'll get off my soapbox. The game that nobody's talking about that you need to be talking about is number 14, Northwest Guilford at number 3, Watauga. Uh, number 3, Watauga runs the triple option. <laughs> that, that's, all, that's always fun to play against. Yeah, we had a nice little discussion, Coach Eric Westberg at Northern, Northern Guilford, and I had a nice discussion about that last Friday night. The Vikings obviously needed as dry as possible, so Tanner Ballou can sling it around um, to Trenton Cloud. Uh, he's got Michael Gadette coming out of the backfield. Um, but if needed, I think, and you and I both actually know, that Kevin Wallace is inventive and innovative enough on offense to make good use of his athletes on the outside to kind of – put together a, a, a misdirection run game against Watauga if needed. But that'll be a good game, and that could really upend the 4A tournament. And it also would be just a nice statement win for Kevin Wallace. Uh, in town, and this is a Thursday game, so as we record this, we have not – this one hasn't gone final yet. Number six, Dudley, hosting South Point. The 11 seed, Reedsville's hosting number 17, Providence Grove. And number three, undefeated Oak Grove at Shelby Crest. All of those teams, uh, Oak Grove 3A, Reedsville 2A, and um, Dudley also in, in 3A. Those are the power teams um, in the, we call them lower divisions, but they always play up in the, in the non-conference. We're rooting for those guys to move forward because those are all championship contenders and you know you know it wouldn't be harmful to you and I to see somebody like a Reedsville or Dudley once again in the state final no no it would certainly not be I mean we obviously got a got a root for the uh got a root for the triad guys and uh, it would be it would be fun to see those guys make it back as we've grown so uh so accustomed to with those two programs all right before we go it's time to announce this week's winners 
of the non-starting five. These are the five institutions, organizations, or individuals that Ryan and I are just done with this week. You are not <laughs> starting. You're going to the bench. So first off to the bench is the Clemson Tigers. Sit down. Okay? Yeah. I don't mind yeah. a team losing, but don't get punked on national TV and then mess up everyone in your conference's bold destination quality. You put Wake Forest from somewhere tropical or warm to, like, Shreveport or El Paso in just one half of football. You got worked, Clemson. Next up, North Carolina High School Athletic Association. I'm not done here yet. Go to the bench. <laughs> I understand that you're a third-party governing body, but here's the deal. I understand teams want a full week to heal up and rest and prepare between games. I get it, especially at the playoff times. But very few of these teams are playing on the turf fields close to a college pro quality, right? So I ask you, do you want these kids playing at 100% on iffy, dangerous footing at some of these uh, iffy turf fields or grass fields? Or do you want them at 85% on a good, safe, dry field? I don't know. And I've got a third one, but I'm going to wait. I want to hear what you've got. Um, I, I think I'm just – I'm done with the Kyrie Irving situation. Like, Finch. I, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing about it in general. Like, I, I, I did think his suspension was a little much. Okay. Uh, and what and what they're asking him to do before he returns is a little much, and it almost just seems like it's fake. They they well, they just want to be done with Kyrie Irving. That's that's yeah. kind of what it seems like to me. It's a show. I, I I don't think. I mean, I disagree with what Kyrie Irving did, and he deserved punishment and maybe a little bit of a suspension. But you know, we didn't see. You know, Myers Leonard said actually said something when mm. he playing a video game last season. He didn't get five games. He didn't have to complete all this stuff before he returned. Uh, if you want to go even further back, Riley Cooper, when he was a member Oof. of the Eagles, I, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't even he, – he got fined. That was it. He didn't miss any games. Um, so I, I, think, I think the punishment has been a little much. Uh, and I think it's just because the Nets' ownership is so tired of him. And I get it. Some of this is Kyrie's fault. If the COVID thing uh, with him not getting vaccinated and having to miss games when they are uh, in certain places because he's not vaccinated, uh, it always seems like he's putting his foot in his mouth. I, I get them being tired of it. Uh, I'm also just tired of people defending him who have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, so I just, <laughs> so I'm just done with the Kyrie Irving situation. All right, Kyrie headed to the bench once again. Congratulations, Kyrie. Not, not just not just Kyrie, but the but whole the Kyrie situation, situation, the okay. whole thing. <laughs> All right, what else you got? Um, man, what else is there out there right now? I think. Um, I need a minute. Go ahead. I was going to send Louisville to the bench. Okay. Sure. University of Louisville. Under no circumstances should you lose your basketball team, your men's basketball team, lose to Lenore Ryan and then lose to Bellarmine. And that's not a knock on Bellarmine. I knew that Bellarmine was going to be tight in that game and might win. I, uh, I had a bet on that game. Yeah. You won that bet, well, didn't you? I won money on that yeah. game. We knew that, and that's and and the fact that two cowpokes from Winston Salem and Greensboro knew that means you Louisville should know that you're in trouble. You're better than this. Figure it out, and maybe figure it out without cheating. Maybe kind of try to do something in a college basketball that doesn't involve a scandal. I'm just I'm just putting that out there. So Louisville, head to the bench this week. What do you have? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm a you know what? You can put Tom Brady on the bench if you want. He's already been on the bench. I, I, I'm giving that a break for now. They won. They won this past week. So I, it, it wasn't pretty, but I, I'm giving him a break for right now. Um, 
I, you know who else I'm done with? Russell Wilson. There like, we there we go. That's Sierra, just give Future another chance. How bad could it be? <laughs> I, like this, this cornball act, this act that he puts on has got to get old day after day. Oh, there is no. no way you can't be around that without feeling suffocated day after day. I I used to like the guy. Blink but twice if you need help, Sierra. I put my God, I the <laughs> let's ride stuff and the I you know now he's evidently he wore a wristband. Uh, I'm reading this right now. He wore a wristband with a play sheet on it in the team's win over the Jaguars. Uh, he asked. He was asked about having you know to wear one during his time with Seattle, um, and I guess you know. Pete Carroll praised Geno Smith for wearing one this season to make play calling more efficient. And Russell came back with something to the effect of, "We didn't wear it when I was there." Or won a lot in won a lot in Seattle without a wristband when I was there. Well, guess what, Russ? They're winning without you, and you're not winning. Shut the hell up. You know what? The, the dark clouds have made our moods dark. And on that note, we are desperately out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up in mere seconds, our football game of the week, East Forsyth, is hosting Mount Tabor in the playoffs, hopefully. So for our producer, Desmond Johnson, my partner, Ryan Stone, this is JP Monday. Hoping you have a great weekend. We'll see you next Friday on the Franchise Players.